Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Thursday, May 21st, 2020. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show includes comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Pro Tem Hilda Solis, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Thanks in advance for listening to the podcast, and as a reminder, be sure to subscribe to our show in your podcast app and follow our department across all social media at LA Public Health. And now, Supervisor Solis. Thank you so much, and good afternoon to everyone. And again, thank you for joining us today's uh, daily briefing. I'm Supervisor Hilda Solis, Chair Pro Tem of the LA County Board of Supervisors. You know, the progress we have made as a county is starting to show on our numbers, on various numbers of indicators. The numbers of hospitalizations, of needed ICU beds, and the rate of transmission have all remained stable or declined. These indicators have allowed us to start on our road to economic recovery. We will safely reopen our economy because too many people are struggling financially. I've heard from so many workers and small businesses who have seen their pocketbooks and savings devastated, and some of whom have had to shutter their businesses entirely, and many who were hurting before the crisis struck. Let's be frank, the economic crisis for communities of color predates COVID-19. COVID-19 has magnified that reality. But as I have said before, the virus is still out there waiting for us to let our guard down. So we can't go back to business as usual. That means continuing our safety measures and implementing new rules on how to conduct business safely. Face coverings are mandatory throughout LA County wherever and whenever you're outside. And physical distancing must be continued. How quickly we reopen is all up to us. But economic recovery cannot come at the expense of more lives especially when we consider that our communities of color are disproportionately impacted by this virus. We have to ask ourselves what will happen if we rush and reopen too soon, how that will further impact our black and brown workers who are most exposed because of their essential jobs cannot be done from home, and who are more likely to be infected hospitalized and die from COVID-19, in part because of the density in which they live. So as we move forward, worker safety is a priority and it is my priority. I will not allow these disparities to be exacerbated because workers did not receive the protection they need and deserve. With the guidance of our public health experts, I believe we can reopen safely. While we continue on our path of recovery, I know many are still struggling with food security. That's why I want to highlight the Pandemic Emergency Benefits Transfer Program, or P-EBT program. This is a state-managed resource which provides up to $365 of additional food benefits per child. It is available to families with children who qualify for free or reduced-price school meals. Those who are receiving CalFresh, CalWORKs, Medi-Cal, or are in foster care are automatically eligible and should be receiving additional benefits soon. To check your eligibility, please visit californiaca.p-ebt.org. Applications will begin tomorrow, and the deadline is June the 30th. I also wanted to address the fact that our lives have changed abruptly and many of us are experiencing an increased amount of stress and anxiety. Please remember that our Department of Mental Health Services has expanded their helpline and it is set up to deliver emotional support around the clock to all of our county residents. If you're in need of assistance, please feel free to call 1-800-854-7771. This is a valuable resource available to all of us. Don't be embarrassed. Call if you need help. Lastly, I want to mention a concern about the no-show rates at the COVID-19 testing sites. We're seeing about a 10 to 20 percent no-show rate at some of these sites. Please make sure you're able to make it to your appointment because every spot taken is one that is not available to another person. You should get, <clears throat> you should get tested if you are showing symptoms 
And for those who are not showing symptom, symptoms but are essential workers, you can also get tested. And I want to remind everyone that essential workers include janitorial, security, airport workers, grocery workers, as well as our healthcare employees, and many, many others. We now have an extensive list of who is classified as an essential worker on our website. Please visit covid19.lacounty.gov slash testing to find out more information. And I want to thank you again for your patience and unrelenting commitment to our communities. I now would like to introduce Dr. Barbara Ferrer, our Public Health Director. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you so much, uh, Supervisor Solis and the entire Board of Supervisors. Uh, you are leading us through uh, the most challenging times with grace and strength and dignity. To update you on our current status, I'm sad to report 46 additional people have died from COVID-19. 28 of these people who died are over the age of 65, and 20 people over the age of 65 who passed away had underlying health conditions. 12 people who died are between the ages of 41 and 65, and 10 of the people in this age group who passed away had underlying health conditions. Information on the three deaths reported by the City of Long Beach and the three deaths reported by the City of Pasadena are available at longbeach.gov and cityofpasadena.net. This brings the total number of deaths to over 2,000, 2016, and this is a very sad milestone for us. To those of you who are suffering and grieving because of the loss of a loved one to COVID-19, we offer you our deepest condolences. We are thinking of you and your families every single day. For the 1,863 people who passed away where race and ethnicity has been identified, 39% are Latino Latinx, 29% are white, 17% are Asian, 12% are African American, 1% are Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander, and 1% have identified with another race and or ethnicity. 92% of the people who died continue to be people who have had underlying health conditions. And if you have an underlying health condition, an important reminder for you to make sure you have a provider, a medical provider, and call 211 if you need to find one, and that at the first sign of any mild illness, you do connect with your health provider to make sure that you're getting appropriate access to treatments uh, that may be able to help you uh, stay well. Uh, if you're a business uh, who has employees who are older or who have underlying health conditions, please do all you can do to protect these employees, including, them, including assigning them to work that can be done at home or under conditions where they have little or no contact with other people. Today, we're reporting 1,204 new cases. This brings the total number of people who have tested positive for COVID-19 in LA County to 42,037. The 42,037 total cases we're reporting include 1,400 total cases reported by the City of Long Beach and 784 total cases reported by the City of Pasadena, both of which have independent city health departments. I want to note that 76% of our total cases and 74% of our new cases are among people between the ages of 18 and 65. This is the age group that makes up the majority of our workforce. So as more people are going back to work, it's an important reminder that people at the workplace may be infected, even if they aren't feeling sick. And we need our employers and our employees to work together to make sure that employees and customers are in an environment that's as safe as possible. We are reporting 323 confirmed cases among people experiencing homelessness. 166 people who were sheltered uh, were appropriately isolated and their close contacts were quarantined. There are 6,026 people that tested positive for COVID-19 who have been hospitalized at some point during their illness. And this is 14% of all of our positive cases. There are currently 1,517 people who have tested positive for COVID-19 and are hospitalized. 
26% of these people are in the ICU, and 20% of the patients are on ventilators. And every day, we have continued to see this slight decrease in the number of people hospitalized. We have investigated a total of 446 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed or suspect case of COVID-19. Of these, 410 are being currently investigated, and there are 36 closed investigations. These settings include nursing homes, assisted living facilities, shelters, treatment centers, supportive living, correctional facilities, workplaces, food and retail establishments, and educational settings. The total confirmed cases in institutional settings is 10,587, and this includes 6,901 residents and 3,686 staff. I am sad to report that 1,048 people who were living in institutional settings have died from COVID-19, and this represents 52% of all of our deaths. And as I've noted, all, the vast majority of the people who died in institutional settings had resided in our skilled nursing facilities. So to everyone who's lost a loved one who lived at these facilities, our hearts are with you, and we're going to continue to work as hard as we can with our partners and with the facilities to make sure that they're as safe as possible for residents and employees. We are reporting 679 confirmed cases at some point in our jail facilities, 530 among people who are incarcerated, and 149 among staff. The Sheriff's Office is reporting for their facilities 262 people who are incarcerated and have tested positive for COVID-19, 268 people who are incarcerated and have recovered, 331 people who are incarcerated in isolation, and 5,050 people who are incarcerated and quarantined. Uh, and as you know, uh, we're extending more testing uh, in our jail facilities, so those numbers are likely to increase uh, in the upcoming week. Uh, there are 176 cases in the state prison, 127 among people who are incarcerated, and 49 among staff. And there are 695 cases in the federal prison facilities, 681 among people who are incarcerated, and 14 among staff. And we remain at 20 cases in the juvenile facilities, 8 among youth, and 12 among staff. You can find information on confirmed and suspect cases in these facilities, as well as our dashboard of testing, case, and death data, and our recovery dashboard on our website, publichealth.lacounty.gov. The LA County Sheriff's Department is reporting 198 positive cases among staff, 540 staff are quarantined, and 1,126 staff have returned to work. The L.A. County Fire Department is, return, is reporting that 272 staff members have been tested for COVID-19, 24 staff have tested positive, 18 are isolated at home, 19 have returned to work, and 7 are homesick. Thank you very much, Sheriff Villanueva and Chief Osby, uh, for reporting this information to us every day. There are over 403,000 COVID-19 test results for individuals that have been reported to the LA County Department of Public Health, and 9% of people who are tested are positive. And as a reminder, uh, following up on what Supervisor Solis said, there are still appointments available at the regional testing sites. So please, you can locate a site and make an appointment online at covid19.lacounty.gov testing. Through our recovery process, we emphasize how important it is to look at all of the data so that we can see how we're doing. And today I want to talk through the status of some of our indicators and what it says about what we've accomplished in slowing the spread of COVID-19. Yesterday, Dr. Galley updated us on the average rate of transmission by people who are positive for COVID-19 and infect, are able to infect other people and how this may impact the number of people who would then need to be hospitalized in the future. She reported that under the Safer at Home orders, we have moved from, on average, each COVID-19 positive person 
infecting three other people to having each positive person infect only one person. And this is very good news, and it shows that what we're doing over the past few weeks, staying home, the physical distancing, wearing our cloth face coverings, has resulted in a reduced number of infections from what we would have had had we not taken any actions. We also presented yesterday the most recent results of our ongoing serology study. This study helps us understand the number of people across LA County who have been infected at some point with COVID-19 and developed antibodies. These results also gave us some good news and demonstrated the effectiveness of your efforts to slow the spread. 2.1% of adults tested positive in our May surveillance survey, compared to 4.1% in April. While these samples were somewhat uh, different, uh, both geographically and demographically from one another, it is very likely that our countywide COVID-19 prevalence rate has not increased at all between March and April. And when we look at our recovery dashboard and our key recovery indicators, we see that for the majority of them, we continue to be moving in the right direction. Our seven-day average of deaths per day is decreasing, and this is true for most groups of people. Our current seven-day average number of deaths per day is 37, and this is a 12% decrease from the, seven day, the prior seven-day average. Our three-day average for the number of people who are positive for COVID-19 and are currently hospitalized is also decreasing. Our current three-day average for current hospitalizations per day is 1,532, and this is a 15% decrease from the prior three-day average. Our data reflects having adequate hospital, hospital capacity, including our capacity in intensive care units and our supply of ventilators. And we're meeting most targets in terms of having an adequate supply of personal protective equipment for our healthcare workers in our hospitals and across other parts of our healthcare system. Though this remains something uh, where, we can be, where we can improve. For example, our supply of gowns is not where we want it to be. 86% of our hospitals have at least a 15-day supply of the N95 masks that are so essential for hospital workers. 79% have a 15-day supply of other types of masks, medical masks. 73% have a 15-day supply of face shields, and 63% of hospitals have a 15-day supply of gloves. 57% of our hospitals have at least a 15-day supply of gowns, and this is below our target of 60%. We haven't yet reached our goal of an average of 15,000 diagnostic tests being conducted every day. But thanks to all of the progress made by Dr. Galley and the Department of Health Services in increasing testing sites, particularly in under-resourced communities, and increasing capacity at health centers and clinics, we are moving very quickly to reaching this goal. Right now, our average seven, our seven-day average of daily tests is 13,332. Thank you, Dr. Galley and uh, DHS team for getting us to this milestone. Currently, we're also meeting our contact tracing target to follow up with every new case after it's reported to us within one day of receiving their information. All of this, the progress we've made in slowing the spread, the reduction in the average daily deaths and hospitalizations, and retaining capacity in our healthcare system, this lets us know that the extraordinary efforts and sacrifices made by all of you are working. As a community, we've done this together, and this progress is a direct reflection of what all of you in your day-to-day -day lives have been able to accomplish. And I do wanna thank you from the bottom of my heart. Through our recovery journey, as we're all out of our homes more, it may become more difficult to slow the spread, but it is far from impossible. Because of the 14-day incubation period of COVID-19, the actions we're taking today will impact our key recovery numbers in two to three weeks. So as more businesses and public spaces are open, as individuals and institutions, we do need to take care of each other by continuing to practice physical distancing, 
wearing our cloth face coverings, and following all of the directives for creating as much safety as possible at our businesses and our public spaces. Employers will be taking care of their employees and their customers. Employees are taking actions to care for each other and the people who come in to their businesses. Customers need to be attentive to their role in protecting all of our employees at the, at the businesses we are visiting. And as we hike our trails, go to our beaches, and use our other outdoor spaces, we can all take responsibility for creating safety for the people who work at these sites and the others who are using these spaces. I know we can do this. Of this, I'm certain, because we've done it. We have worked together, we've been doing our part, and we've saved lives as a result. Let's continue taking care of each other throughout our more active days. And again, thank you for all that you're doing every day to get us to the other side of this pandemic. And now we're ready for questions. And ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please press one then zero on your telephone keypad. You can draw your question at any time by repeating the one zero command. If you're using a speakerphone, please pick up the handset before pressing the numbers. Once again, if you have a question, please press one then zero at this time. And reporters, uh, you're asked to please limit yourself to one or two questions, please. And first, we turn to the line of Ryan Carter with Los Angeles Daily News. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you very much, and thank you, Dr. Ferrer and <clears throat> Supervisor Salif, for, 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 for these pressers, um, these briefings. These briefings. Um, definitely mindful of letting the uh, data lead here and uh, Supervisor Salif's uh, initial points on businesses, but I'm sure you've seen uh, Supervisor Hahn's letter to the governor today seeking the ability to open all retail businesses in the state uh, under the same protocols um, as essential businesses. And uh, the reason being uh, big retailers like Target and Walmart can, can more fully open as essential businesses, creating uh, winners and losers in, in the economy. And um, I wondered if you could explain why that isn't or shouldn't be happening now, um, or perhaps explain even if you have any support for that or would support um, a directive from the governor to allow that to happen. Thank you. Well, I, I uh, just became aware of a letter that Supervisor Hahn sent to the governor. And of course, um, that is uh, the privilege of any board member to send correspondence. But what I would say to you is that uh, when we started in this uh, COVID pandemic, we knew that it was very important for people to have essential items like food supplies, uh, sanitation, things of that nature, nature that were really essential. And I do believe that that was the purpose of allowing for some of our, uh, not just um, grocery stores, but places like uh, warehousing, Costco and others to be able to provide that. We've since learned though, that they also have had to take the responsibility to implement plans for social distancing, mass coverage, all of the things that we have talked about. And it took a while to get all that going. And it's gonna take a lot more time, I believe, even for our smaller businesses to get there. So we are learning by example. And I wanna see that we uh, really pay attention to the data that's been presented by uh, Dr. Ferrer on an ongoing basis. It looks like we are improving. I wish that we could speed things up, but I would be very um, remiss if, if I were to say that because we have to follow along the lines that we are prescribed by the governor of California. And I think that we want to adhere to that as best we can. And we are, we are noting that there are many people that are, that are suffering right now that have lost their job, jobs and many small businesses that are unsure if they're gonna be able to come back right away. But we're also trying to provide whatever assistance we can through our own uh, efforts here in the county to try to provide at least a measure of relief to them. So with that, um, I, I would ask Dr. Ferrer if she would like to say anything. I think, okay, next question. Our next question comes from the line of Jack Dolan with LA Times. Please go ahead. Hi, Dr. Ferrer. Um, it will be a month ago tomorrow when you announced that the strategy of testing only symptomatic residents and staff of nursing homes had been a mistake um, and that we needed to start universal testing at nursing homes because asymptomatic spreaders are the threat. Since then, 
it turns out that only about a third of the skilled nursing facilities in LA County have tested everybody. And your um, department sent a letter to nursing homes last week saying that if you haven't had a confirmed positive case, you don't have to test everybody. You only have to test like 10% of residents, sort of a surveillance testing thing. I'm wondering why that shift in policy and, and why everybody in nursing homes hasn't been tested. Is it a question of resources? Are nursing home owners pushing back for fear of bad publicity? Yeah, thank, thanks, a, thanks, a, thanks a lot for the question, um, Jack. I think it's probably a combination of a couple of things. One is, you know, we're, we have a lot of nursing homes uh, where we actually have uh, more than one positive case, and we've obviously prioritized making sure that at the very top of our list is getting into all of the places where we have positive cases um, so that uh, we can, in fact, figure out uh, what the spread looks like in those places and move very quickly to make sure we don't have uh, huge outbreaks. Uh, we have worked uh, in partnership with some of our nursing homes to really also at the same time recognize that we'd like to get in front of outbreaks happening in other sites. And for now, we thought one of the best ways to really understand what's happening in sites where there's no known positive cases is to do the surveillance testing. If after we do some of the surveillance testing in the sites uh, where we have no known positive cases, we find out through that surveillance testing, which as you noted, I think it's about you know, going in and trying to do a sample, a random sample of staff and residents. Um, if in fact we find out that we have a significant number, even a small number of asymptomatic people that are positive, we'll have to redo our strategy and, uh, and make sure that we're going back and testing everyone. But I think it is a smart move to try the surveillance testing and see what's happening in those sites. Um, because as you know, um, even with our testing numbers uh, in other places uh, where there's a lot of asymptomatic people going in and getting tested, you don't often find high rates of positivity or sometimes even any rates of positivity. So I, I think this was a wise move. It really was meant to allow us to do as much as possible as quickly as possible and then learn from the surveillance testing about whether our strategy really has to be to test every single person in every single nursing home. And if that's what the surveillance testing tells us, we'll move quickly to get that done. And I do think we've done more than, um, you know, I, I know we've done almost two-thirds of all the nursing homes, and I, I know we're on track to finish the testing uh, by early next week in, in the rest of them. I think they've all been scheduled now, uh, which, you know, we worked really hard to make sure we could get that done, and we have staff assigned to work with all the nursing homes, so we'll be able to get that done. I know there's time for one more question. Thank you. And next we turn to the line of Claudia Piscuta with KNX News Radio. Please go ahead. Uh, just to piggyback on Jack's question, um, the, when you say you're on track to early finish early next week, is that with some of the facilities not offering testing to all staff and residents? Is that with some of the facilities doing just a sample size? And then also, uh, I'm wondering when relatives might be able to get back into the long-term care facilities. I understand the need to prevent the spread among vulnerable populations, but at a time when more oversight than ever is needed, um, relatives still can't get in. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the last question. You know, our team is looking at it, and there, there, is, um, there are state and federal regulations that we have to adhere to around visitors. So we're working to come up with a policy uh, that uh, we can present to the state about a safer way of allowing uh, visitors, you know, again, it would be a limited number, obviously, of visitors to actually come into the nursing facilities, particularly in those places where there's no other way to communicate or to visit uh, with, a loved, with a loved person uh, who's a resident. Uh, in terms of your first question, I know for sure we're going to finish all of the sites, all of the skilled nursing facilities where there are outbreaks, and I'll have to check with you on whether that means we'd also finish uh, by early next week all of the sites where there's surveillance. I, I just don't have that information, Claudia, but we can get back to you. So thanks a lot, and we'll now have our remarks in Spanish. Buenas tardes. Soy la Supervisora Hilda Solís de la Junta de Supervisores del Condado de Los Ángeles. Hemos logrado mucho en este condado, 
el número de personas en el hospital y número de casos de personas con el virus han bajado o se han mantenido estables. Esto nos dice que podemos empezar a tomar los primeros pasos para reabrir la economía. Tenemos que reabrir de manera segura porque muchas personas están sufriendo. Yo sé que hay muchos trabajadores y negocios pequeños que han perdido dinero y sus posiciones. Algunos han tenido que cerrar sus negocios por completo. Y yo sé que muchas personas, especialmente las comunidades latinas y africanamericanos, ya estaban sufriendo antes de esta crisis. Pero el virus todavía está aquí y tenemos que seguir luchando. Por ahora no podemos volver a nuestras vidas de antes. Tenemos que seguir nuevas reglas para abrir nuestros negocios de manera segura. Es mandatorio usar las mascarillas cuando salen de sus casas. Y tenemos que mantener la distancia física por lo menos seis pies. Nos, no podemos poder poner vidas en riesgo solo porque queremos reabrir más rápidamente. Especialmente cuando sabemos que nuestras comunidades de latinas y africanamericanos son más afectados que otras que en esta crisis. Para mí, lo más importante es la seguridad de los trabajadores. Quiero asegurar que los trabajadores van a recibir la protección que necesitan y merecen. Gracias a nuestros expertos de salud pública, yo creo que podemos reabrir de manera segura. Mientras empezamos a reabrir, sí que muchos todavía no tienen su suficiente comida. Por eso quiero hablar un momento de un programa llamado Pandemic Emergency Benefits Transfer Program o el programa PEBT. Este es programa del estado de California para recibir hasta 375 dólares de beneficios de comida para cada niño en su familia. Su familia califica para, para este programa si sus hijos reciben comida gratis o de precio reducido en la escuela. Si usted ya recibe CalFresh, CalWorks, Medical, o si es usted un joven en un uh, cuidado temporal, van a recibir este beneficio adicional automáticamente y el más pronto. Para ver si usted califica para aplicar, por favor, visita ca.p-ebt.org. Puede aplicar empezando mañana y el último día para aplicar es el 30 de junio. También quiero reconocer que muchos de nosotros estamos sintiendo mucho estrés y ansiedad por esta crisis. Nuestro Departamento de Salud Mental tiene una línea de ayuda y puede ofrecer apoyo emocional para todos los residentes del condado. También tienen líneas para personas que hablan otros idiomas, especialmente en español. Si necesita ayuda, por favor, llama 1-800-854-7771. Por el último, quiero mencionar muchas personas que están haciendo citas para tomar la prueba de COVID-19, pero no llegan a su cita. Estamos que las, entiendo yo pues que hay gentes que se están poniendo para poner la cita, pero no llegan. Casi 10 o 20% no están llegando para tomar la prueba. Por favor, vaya a su cita. Cada cita que usted no va, dice que también la persona que quiere ir no puede ir porque usted ya ocupó ese espacio. Debe de tomar la prueba si tiene síntomas. Para las personas que son un trabajadores esenciales, pueden tomar la prueba aunque no tengan síntomas. Todos que los trabajadores esenciales incluyen trabajadores de la limpieza, seguridad, aeropuertos y supermercados, empleados de atención médica y muchos otros. Puede visitar una lista completa que dice cuáles son los trabajadores que califican para esta ayuda. Pueden ir a covid19.lacounty.testing. 
Al fin, quiero decir que ahora yo fui a, a visitar uh, en un parque, Obregón Park, donde están haciendo donaciones para la sangre. Quiero decir que si usted tiene la oportunidad, por favor, necesitamos sangre para donar al Red Cross. Solamente pueden ir al número 211 para seguir a dónde puede ir a donar esta sangre, porque ahorita estamos en un crisis y especialmente que tenemos que hacer esto de rápidamente. Muchas gracias. Y con eso quiero introducir Jacqueline Valenzuela, representando el Departamento de Salud Público. Buenas tardes. Para actualizarlos, nos da tristeza informar que 46 personas adicionales han fallecido por causa de COVID-19. Esto eleva el número total de fallecimientos a 2016. Para las 1,863 personas que fallecieron donde se identificó la raza etnicidad, el 39% son latinos, el 29% son blancos, el 17% son asiáticos, el 12% son afroamericanos, el 1% son nativos hawaianos o isleños del Pacífico y 1% son de otra raza etnicidad. 92% de las personas que fallecieron por causas de COVID-19 padecían de problemas delicados de salud. Este número no ha cambiado en las últimas semanas. Si es, una, eh, si es un negocio que tiene empleados que son mayores que tienen condiciones delicadas de salud, haga todo lo posible para proteger a estos empleados, incluso asignándoles trabajo que se puede hacer en casa si es posible. Hoy estamos reportando 1,204 casos nuevos. Esto eleva el número total de personas que dieron positivo por COVID-19 a 42,037. Queremos resaltar que el 76% de todos nuestros casos y el 74% de nuestros casos nuevos tienen entre 18 y 65 años, el grupo de edad que es la mayoría de nuestra fuerza laboral. A medida que más personas regresan al trabajo, es importante recordar que las personas dentro del lugar del trabajo puede ser pueden ser infectadas e incluso no tener síntomas. Por eso es importante seguir todas las directivas para que se mantengan todos seguros, igual el personal como los clientes. Estamos reportando 323 casos confirmados entre personas sin hogar. 6,026 personas que dieron positivo por COVID-19 fueron hospitalizadas en algún momento, uh, el cual representa el 14% de todos los casos. Actualmente, hay 1,517 personas que dieron positivo para COVID-19, las cuales están hospitalizadas. El 26% de estas personas están en unidades de cuidados intensivos y el 20% de estas personas están en ventiladores. Y cada día seguimos viendo reducciones en el número de personas hospitalizadas. El total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 10,587 y esto incluye a 6,901 residentes y 3,686 miembros del personal. Eh, nos da tristeza informar uh, que 1,048 personas que vivían en entornos institucionales han fallecido por causas de COVID-19, lo que representa el 52% de todos los fallecimientos. La gran mayoría de estas personas residía en centros de enfermería especializada. Estamos reportando 679 casos confirmados en algún momento en las cárceles. La oficina del Aguacil informa que entre personas encarceladas, 262 personas han dado positivo por COVID-19, 268 se han recuperado, 331 personas están aisladas y, perdón, 5,050 personas están en cuarentena. Hay 176 casos en la prisión estatal y 695 casos en prisiones federales. Hay 20 casos en las instalaciones juveniles. 
más de 403 mil resultados de la prueba de COVID-19 han sido reportados al Departamento de Salud Pública. Y el 9% de todas las personas evaluadas dieron resultados positivos. Hay citas disponibles en los sitios de pruebas regionales y puede hacer una cita en covid19.lacounty.gov diagonal testing. Cuando observamos nuestro tablero de recuperación y nuestros indicadores de, de recuperación, vemos que para la mayoría de ellos nos estamos moviendo en la dirección correcta. Nuestro promedio de siete días de fallecimientos por día está bajando y esto es cierto para la mayoría de los grupos. Nuestro promedio actual de fallecimientos por día es 37, los siete días de la semana. Y este es, este es menos que el 12% que era el promedio anterior de siete días. Nuestro promedio de tres días para la cantidad de personas positivas para COVID-19 que actualmente están hospitalizadas también está disminuyendo. Nuestro promedio actual de tres días um, para las hospitalizaciones actuales por, el, por día es de 1,532. Y este también es menos que el 15%, cual era el promedio anterior de tres días. Nuestros datos reflejan tener una capacidad en nuestros, uh, adecuada en nuestros hospitales, incluida la capacidad en unidades de cuidados intensivos y un suministro de ventiladores. Estamos cumpliendo la mayoría de los objetivos en términos de contar con un suministro adecuado de equipo de protección personal para nuestros trabajadores de servicios médicos en, en hospitales, aunque eso todavía es algo que se puede mejorar. Todavía no hemos alcanzado nuestra meta de que se realicen un promedio de 15,000 pruebas de diagnóstico de diagnóstico cada día, pero gracias a todo el progreso realizado por la doctora Gali y el Departamento de Servicios de Salud uh, en aumentar los sitios de pruebas en comunidades de escasos recursos y en aumentar la capacidad um, en centros de salud y clínicas, estamos avanzando para alcanzar este objetivo. En este momento, nuestro promedio es de 13,332 pruebas cada día. Actualmente estamos cumpliendo nuestro objetivo de seguimiento de contactos para dar rastreo a cada caso nuevo eh, dentro de un día de recibir su información. El progreso que hemos logrado eh, es enfrentar la propagación en la reducción en el promedio de muertes diarias y hospitalizaciones hospitalizaciones y en mantener la capacidad en nuestros hospitales um, nos permite saber que los esfuerzos y los sacrificios que han hecho um, han ayudado y han funcionado. Uh, este progreso es un reflejo directo de, de todo lo que ustedes han hecho y por eso estamos muy agradecidos. Le damos las gracias and now we'll move on to remarks in Armenian by Nona Oganisian. Բարեոր բոլորին, շնորակալ եմ վերահսկիչ մարմինների ողջ խորորդին։ Ներկայ իրավիճակի վերաբերյալ տեղեկությունները հետևյալն են։ Այսօր ծավով հայտնում ենք եվս 46 մահվան մասին։ Այս մարդկանցից Սա բերում է ընդհանուր մահերիթիվը 2016-ի Լոս Անջելոսի շրջանում։ Մահացած 1823 մարդ ռասա էթնիկական պատկանելությունը հետևյալն է։ 39%-ը լատինոլատինեքս, 29%-ը սպիտակ, 17%-ը ասիական, 12%-ը ավրոամերիկացի, 1%-ը բնիկ հավայան և 1%-ը COVID-19 մահացած անձանց 92 տոքոսը ուներ ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Ինչը կարևորում է այն անձանց, ովքեր առողջության լուրջ խնդիրներ ունեն, մնալ տանը և հնարավորինը սխուսապել սերտ կապերից։ Այսօր մենք հայտնում ենք 1204 նոր դեպքերի մասին։ Եվ սա բերում է Լոս Անջելոս շրջանի դրական դեպքերի ընդհանուր թիվը 42037-ի։ 
այս դեպքերը ներառում են լոնգ բիչ քաղաքում մեր գործընկերների կողմից գրանցված 1400 դեպքեր իսկ փասդինա քաղաքում գրանցված 784 դեպքեր որոնք ունեն անկախ առողջապահական բաժանմունքներ մենք հայտնում ենք 323 հաստատված դեպք անոթևան ապրող մարդկանց շրջանում Ապաստան գտած 166 անձինք պատշաճ կերպով մեկուսացված են, իսկ սերտ կապերը կարանտինացված են։ 6026 դեպք ինչ-որ պահի հոսպիտալացվել են, որը կազմում է բոլոր դրական դեպքերի 14 տոկոսը։ Ներկայումս հոսպիտալացվել են 1517 մարդ, որոնցից 26 տոկոսը գտնվում են ինտենսիվ խնամքի բաժանմունքում, իսկ 20 տոկոսը միացված են շնչարական օդափոխիչների։ Ներկայումս կնություններ են կատարվում 446 ինստիտությոնալ բնակության հաստատություններում։ Այս միջավայրում ընդհանուր դեպքերը 10587-ն են ներառյալ անձնակազմ և բնակիչներ։ Ցավոք հայտնում ենք, որ հաստատություններում COVID-19-ով մահացած 1048 բնակիչից, որոնք կազում են բոլոր մահերի 52 տոկոսը։ Մենք զեկուցում ենք, որ հաստատված 679 դեպքեր արձանակրվել են գրյակ կատարողական հիմնարկներում, 530 դատապարծյալ և 149-ը աշխատող։ տեստավորում, ավելի կան 403,000 մարդ տեստավորվել են և արդյունքների զեկույցը ստացվել է էլես շրջանը, որից 9 Ես ուզում եմ կաճալերել ձեզ տեստավորվել, եթե ունեք աղտանիշներ, և տարասրջանային տեստավորման վայրերում ժամադրության համար կարող եք այցելել covid19.lacounty.gov/testing։ Ինչ են մեզ ասում տվյալները։ Այսօր ես ուզում եմ խոսել մեր ցուցանիշների կարգավիճակի և ինչպես ինչպես են covid19-ը տարածումը դանդաղեցնելու։ Երեք բժիշ գալի նշեց վարակի միջին փոխանցման կարգը, ովքեր դրական են COVID-19-ով, թե ինչպես է դա կարող ազդել մարդկանց թվականակի վրա, որը ապագայում պետք է հոսպիտալացվեն։ Նա հաղորդեց, որ միջին հաշվով տեղափոխվել են COVID-19 յուրականչուր դրական անձ, որը վարակում է երեկ անձինց, միայն մեկ անձի։ Սա շատ լավ նորություն է և դա ծույց է տալիս, որ այն ինչ մենք անում ենք վերջին մի քանի շապատների ընթացքում, տանը մնալը, վիզիկական հերավորությունը և դեմքի ծածկոսներ կրելը, հանգեցրել է նոր վարակների նվազացման լոս անժերու շրջանի այն մարդկանց թիվը, ովքեր ինչ-որ պահի վարակվել են COVID-19-ով։ Այս արդյունքները նաև լավ նորություններ տվեցին, մեզ և ծույս տվեցին տարածումը դանդաղեցնելու ձեր ճանքերի արդյունավետությ թե եվ այս նմուշները աշխարագրական և ժողորդագրական առումով տարբերվում են մի միանցից, հավանաբար հավանական է, որ ամբողջ COVID-19-ի տարածվածությանը մարդի և ապրիլ ամիսների ընթացքում ընդհանրապես չեն աջել։ Եվ երբ մենք նայում ենք մեր վերականգնման վահանակին և մեր հիմնական վերականգնման ծությանիշներին, մենք տեսնում ենք, որ մենք շարժվում ենք ճիշտ ուղությամբ։ Որեկան մահացության մեր յոթ հորվա միջին կանակը նվազում է և դա ճիշտ է խմբերի մեծ մասի համար։ Որվա ընթացքում մեր մահացության յոթ հորյա միջին թիվը 37-ն է։ Եվ դա տասերկու տոքոսով նվազում է նախոր յոթ հորվա միջինից։ Նվազում է նաև մեր երեկ հորվա միջինի ծությանիշը, այն մարդկանց կանակի համար, ովքեր դրական են COVID-19 ներարյալ ինտենսիվ տերապիայի բաժամունքների և ոթապոխիչների մատակարարում։ Մենք աշխատում ենք հիվանդանոցներում մեր բուժ աշխատողների համար անձնական պաշպանիչ սարկավորումների պատշաչ մատակարարումը ապահովելու, չնայած դադեր մի բան 
օրինակ զգեստերի մեր մատակարարումը այնտեղ չէ, որտեղ ուզում ենք։ Մեր հիվանդանոցներում 86 տոքոս ունի արնվազը 15 օրվա են 95 դիմակների մատակարարում և 79 տոքոս 15 օրյա այլ դիմակների մատակարարում։ 73 տոքոսը ունի դեմքի վահանի 15 օրյա մատակարարում։ Իսկ հիվանդանոցների 63 տոքոսը ձերնոցների ամենորյա 15 օրվա մատակարարում։ Հիվանդանոցների 57 տոքոսը զգեստերի արնվազը 15 օրվա մատակարարում ունի և դա մեր նախատեսած 60 տոքոսից ծածր է։ Մենք դեռ չենք հասել մեր նպատակին, որ ապահովենք 15000 ախտորոշիչ տեստ, բայց դոկտոր Գալի եւ առողջապահական ծառայությունների դեպարտամենտի կողմից կատարված բոլոր առնչա ընթացի շնորհիվ ռեսուրսների իրականացման համայնքներում տեստային տեղանքները ավելացման և կարողությունների մեծամասման գործում շարժվում ենք այս նպատակի հասնելու ուղությամբ։ Հենց հիմա մեր ամենօրյա տեստի 7-րդ միջին քանակը 13332-ը։ Ներկայումս մենք աշխատում ենք որպիսի հետևենք յուրաքանչյուր նոր դեպքի իրանց տեղեկատվությունը հասնելու պահից 1 օրվա ընթացքում։ Այս ամենը տարածումը դանդաղեցնելու ուղությամբ կատարած առաջընթացը միջին օրեկան մահվան եւ հոսպիտալացման մակարդակը կրճատելը եւ մեր առողջապահական համակարգում կարողությունների պահպանումը աշխատել են բոլորի կողմից կատարված արտակարգ ջանքերի եւ զորահաբերության շնորհիվ որպես համայք մենք միասին դա արել ենք այս առաջընթացը ուղիղ արտացոլում է այն ամենին ինչ արել ենք ձեր ամենօրյա կյանքում եւ ես ուզում եմ բոլորին շնորհակալություն հայտնել իմ սրտի խորքից շնորհակալություն Thank you This concludes our press conference This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin and you've been listening to the LA Public Health podcast. <laughs>